Hey everybody, welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is episode number 110. We just finished off our uh, final series against the St. Louis Blues, I believe. It was eight games in total across the season. So uh, the Friday and Saturday, of course, we're going to refer to as games one and two of this mini-series here. Uh, game one and two, we're just going to go ahead and spoil it for you. Uh, losses on both accounts. At least in game one, we picked up a point, but unfortunately... You can't be uh, happy about grabbing a point when you give the guys that you're chasing two points because you're still in the red there. So, uh, yeah, game one uh, did not go very well. Aaron, did you catch? Uh, I know you didn't get to catch a lot of the second game tonight, but the first one, did you get to watch a whole lot of it? I wouldn't say a whole lot of it. It's kind of tough, especially in the early go when I got young kids, so it's hard to watch those ones. So I got to rewatch it a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of brutal. Um to, We'll get into this a little bit later, but um, the Sharks, it's growing pains to me. You know, it reminds me of um, kind of like, do you remember when we played the Colorado Avalanche uh, a couple years ago in the playoffs? And it was the, was it the conference or the conference semifinals? Went to seven games and everyone was like, wow, this Colorado team's going to be good, but they're just not quite there yet. Now, I'm not saying the Sharks are that good because we don't have that much talent on there, but... I feel like you can see the pieces kind of falling together, but they can't quite put it all together there. But there's definitely something there. I mean, being able to, they led both games, correct? And then lost them. Um, yep. It's not like they've been falling behind and, and trailing every single game. So um, again, we'll get into this a little bit more, but to me, it's like, it's kind of like that. Like, like there's something there and they just can't quite hold it. And it's frustrating a lot of fans because a lot of fans are expecting wins you know when you get up that much and hold for a lead for that long so yeah um i mean the shootout loss i mean it's a skills competition at that point i i I really do not like the shootout i'm ready to get rid of it i think it's just silly um unless they completely change and overhaul the standings in terms of how many points per game as in three points for a regulation win and two points for an overtime or shootout win because that's just i don't know it's silly to me. I'm, I'm really sick of them because let, let, this whole thing would be completely different if the Sharks won the shootout. Everyone would be like, oh, we split the series with St. Louis. We got a win and a loss, you know, in, in, a, in a shootout. Like, it just, I don't like it. I don't like it. That's yeah, a whole nother show. We'll, we'll go into that in the summertime. <laughs> the more yes. you know. There you go. Uh, before we get rolling on these here, get too much in depth, I just want to remind you guys, uh, again, if you are not subscribed, please do hit that subscribe button uh, and the notification bell as well. That way, you know, anytime we go with these live shows, we love doing these, having people in the comment section, giving us things to talk about and uh, get that conversation going. And of course, if you've got friends who are Sharks fans, family who are Sharks fans, like-minded, just like you, and you're enjoying the show, perhaps they would too. So please feel free to share either a re- retweet on Twitter or a share on Facebook or any other form of social media that we uh, participate in or that we don't. And you just want to go ahead and share it. Uh, that would help us out a whole heck of a lot. And uh, we certainly would appreciate that. Also, if you do want to support the show, please feel free to uh, use the super chat function. Or if you don't want to give money to uh, to the uh, the Googles and uh, YouTubes of the world, then we also have a Venmo account at the Fin Factor, uh, which you can go ahead and use that. And I'm assuming we'll be able to see that because Super Producer Jason is usually on top of it, and uh, we'll be able to get that question on the show for you here as well. So. 
all that good things. Also, as long as I'm here, I may as well let you guys know we are doing a sale on the finfactor.com. We are doing 40% off of everything in the store. So the premium t-shirts are now just $15. The snapbacks only $18. And the sticker packs just $3. Again, all these items are in stock and all these items do help support the show. Um, it, it, it basically keeps our production going. So, uh, we do appreciate any support we can get from you guys. And we thought, you know, as long as the uh, trade deadline is going or uh, up until the trade deadline, I should say, uh, we will have this sale going on. So the finfactor.com, the prices will be, uh, as marked through April 12th. So please go ahead, take advantage of that and support the show that you guys love. Thank you so much for that. Okay. So Aaron, um, we're going to go back into this game one. Um, Donato gets off the schneid. He'd been what 21 games. I think is what it was without scoring a goal, comes out of the penalty box of all things and uh, scores a goal. Really awesome job by him to uh, to jump out there and, and just make it happen. So the Sharks go up one nothing, And this is kind of, again, we're going to talk about this a little later on too, a, a running theme with the Sharks though. They have a lead, they blow the lead, they lose the game, right? So um, after that, they ended up having a power play. It was later on in the game, but it actually worked in the Blues' favor. They scored a shorthanded goal. It was just a sloppy giveaway behind the net and as a lucky bounce kind of goes off of a leg. Uh, one of the Blues players' leg, and it goes in. So it's hard to fault Jones on that one. Again, Jones played really well in this game. But, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where it's like, no matter what happens, it seems like the Sharks can get off to a good start, and then uh, they just kind of blow it from there. So in in the shootout, of course, Jones, I think he had let one goal in on 12 shots all season long. And then in this one, he lets in two goals out of the three shots. So it just wasn't his night for the shootout. Uh, Frankly, I thought he was kind of playing on borrowed time (laughs) when uh, he was overachieving, really, uh, having just one goal against and 12 uh, shootout shots. So uh, maybe it just caught up to him in this game. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess your overall impression of kind of that whole sequence and the fact that the Sharks just can't seem to hold it. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see Donato score. I remember when uh, the Sharks traded for Donato, some of the Minnesota fans were kind of like, well, good luck with him. I hope he does better. He seems like a guy that everyone liked, but just, you know, he's going through these big scoring droughts. So he couldn't quite live up to the – I don't know if hype or potential. It's not like he had that much hype, but he's kind of a player that's probably going to be frustrating you a lot because kind of like what he just went through, uh, not scoring. Not that he didn't have his chances. He just couldn't bury him. And it's good to see him get off that schneid. And hopefully there's a lot less of a break in between the goals for him. Um, I do like him as a player. I think he is a great player and, and puts himself in, in good scoring positions. Um, this goal was kind of, kind of, um, not funky, but different because the Sharks had just killed the penalty. Was this one of the penalties for too many men too? So Probably. Yeah, they stuck Donato in the box, I think, because uh, they put you usually put guys in there who are not penalty killers, which is Donato's one of them. So he gets out of the box, and and it uh, two on two becomes a three on two, um, and they get they drop past it. Sorensen kind of screens the guy, and he snaps it past the goalie. So uh, it was really it was a good shot. It was a great play, and. I feel like those plays have been the Sharks have had those plays and have either missed the net or get saved or something. So it's good to see him score. Um, But that shorthanded goal against was so odd. It was so like uh, St. Louis could not draw that play. They basically forechecked, got the puck deep and forechecked and on the penalty kill. And um, there was two Sharks players on one guy. They kick it out to the other guy. And then he throws it to the net and it wasn't even on goal. And it goes off of the guy's kneecap practically and into the goal. It's like, are you kidding? It's such a bang, bang play and just terrible puck luck for the Sharks. So um, 
it's really unfortunate because I felt like, oh, this is it. They're going to be playing a pretty good, decent game. And getting into this a little bit here, like to me, the Sharks have been playing as a pretty strong team. Not they're not going to be a a Stanley Cup contender, but I feel like they're not some pushover. Like to me, a pushover is like Buffalo. Buffalo, obviously, they're at the bottom of the league. But then you look at Anaheim. Anaheim is another team that is they're worse than the Sharks in terms of their roster and their players, but they have a lot of high end prospects that are kind of breaking into their lineup right now. That and then going through growing pains. Um, the Sharks aren't there yet, but they're not as terrible as that. It's kind of in a funky position to be in because they're not terrible where they're going to be Buffalo bad and be the worst in the league, but they also don't have these high-end prospects that are growing with the team. And now Kurz came out with an article, I think it was I think it was today, actually, uh, today or yesterday, about um, now is the time for the young guys to play. Like We kind of hit that a little bit more than halfway of the season, and the Sharks are – not going to be in a playoff spot. So now's the time to kind of get those young guys in. Now I'm not against that. And I do think that this season is kind of like that anyway, like they should be kind of moving towards it, but um, uh, I, I don't know. I it, it's, it's, it's a terrible position to be in as a Sharks fan because they're good enough to win these games, but they're not good enough to hold on to them kind of, you know, like you, you're also like, you get a lead. The Sharks get a lead, and you're like, okay, it's gonna come now. It's gonna come. At what point is it? Are they gonna score goals? And then a terrible goal like this, a shorthanded goal against, and uh, like, what can you even do about that? What Jones could do nothing about that. The defense couldn't really do anything about that. It's just a terrible play, and it's demoralizing. It's demoralizing as a fan to watch, and you're just like, ah, oh, they let it slip away again. Ah. Yeah. No, and, and you know, despite that, despite the fact that the Sharks have been letting them slip away again, uh, four straight losses. I think that's the longest losing streak of the season, amazingly. Uh, and then I think it was either three of the last four or the last three where the Sharks had a lead and then blew it and uh, ended up losing the game. Despite all that, we heard from Bob Bugner saying that this team still seems like it's tough to play against. And I would agree to a certain point. Maybe we'll get into this a little bit more after. Uh, but let's go ahead and roll a clip here of Bob talking about the team and his thoughts on if they're tough to play against. Oh, absolutely. I think there's so many, so many improvements and uh, um, you know, there's, there's certain things we identified after about 10 games that we needed to get better at. And we've gotten better in every one of those categories. So I'm, I'm happy that way. I think, uh, um, you know, there's, it's a, it's a, it's a team that maybe is not ready to contend for a Stanley cup, but it's a team that's getting better by the week. And, uh, um, you know, it's a team that's, uh, um, that's building it on its culture, like we talked about. And I think it's a team that we're a hard team to play against. I think if you asked, uh, anybody around the league and, and our side and, and, uh, we're a hard team to play against right now. And that's what we need. Okay. So we're a hard team to play against. There are a few things here to maybe unpack, right? So, I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about necessarily, but I like what he said in terms of, you know, a team that was struggling to find its identity. It looks like we're getting there. We have a team that's, um, you know, trying to learn the system still, but we're getting there. There are a lot of things the team is doing better and and right, uh, but they're just not getting the result, essentially, is, is kind of what he's trying to say. I agree with that. I think the team has definitely gotten better. But do you believe and do you agree with him, Aaron, that this team is – hard to play against i think so i to me hard to play against is they're not some pushover team where you can throw in your backup goalie and maybe even rest some guys if it's towards the end of the season 
Um, the sharks are going to have some bite to them still. They're they're still going to be pushing back and fighting hard for their own points. And to me, like against St. Louis, if you look at all the games that we played against St. Louis, we haven't really. I think there was what one blowout, maybe even tonight's game wasn't even so much a blowout because there was an empty netter in there, so it was really four to two. Um, and it was going to the third period. They were tied two to two. It's not like they were down four nothing and then came back and scored two garbage goals. You know, it's it's a different. It, they're fighting hard. They're not quite putting together full games yet, but they're not complete pushovers either. And credit to, I think, the coaching staff, to Bob Bugner and everyone else there, that changing the culture, for one, changing kind of the system, doing it while you can't even have training camp in your own city, um, being on the road for the first almost half of the season, practically, and not being able to play at SAP until, what was it, mid-February, late February? <laughs> Like it wasn't that long ago. So um, I think uh, I think I like what he's doing. I like the Sharks team better now than maybe two months ago, even if they're not winning games. Um, I think you and I talked about was it was it uh, or maybe it was the last couple of games against the Vegas game um, on Wednesday. What is today? I'm losing track of the day. Today's Saturday. Yeah. On Wednesday, we had our last our last show. We were talking about the Vegas series and. I was kind of happy with that game, even though the Sharks lost. I felt like, wow, Vegas had to really dig deep and pull that one out. And I feel like St. Louis kind of do the same thing. Like they had to really dig deep and and get those points. And it wasn't an easy night. So um, I absolutely agree with Bugner and think that this team is a tough team to play against. Well, Aaron, you're not the only one. Maximus is lit in the comment section here says, I do agree with Bob because if you compare this team to now versus the first week, there's a huge difference. 100%. I agree with both of you on that. I think they, there is a huge difference. I don't think that's the same as necessarily being hard to play against. I think this team has definitely got its moments and they're hard to play against in spurts. But I think most teams playing against the San Jose Sharks know that they're not going to give you that consistent 60-minute game. They're not going to have a, a challenging second six, as Brett Hedekin likes to say. Uh, even even the top-line guys, uh, you know, I don't want to say streaky because I've got my opinions on being streaky. Uh, everyone in the league is streaky. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, but I, I don't know that this team is hard enough to play against to say that they are hard to play against, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, there's just too many instances where this team... Again, they have a lead and they kind of let it go, whether it's a, a, a bounce off of the shin or whether it's because they, they're still gelling or whatever. It, none of that really matters. It's the end result is that I don't feel like uh, they respond well to things like that, bouncing off the off the shin guard and it going in, um, having a bad call against Patrick Marlowe in a faceoff dot, for instance, and not being able to respond properly to that or you know, trying too hard in certain areas where normally you just kind of, okay, let's just play the game and have it play out. And hey, maybe they get a goal that way, but because they're gripping their sticks a little too tight, uh, they start making mistakes. And because of that, I feel like there are spurts. There are times when this team looks really good. There's times when this team may be difficult to play against. And they're certainly gotten a lot better, much better. No dispute there uh, between the beginning of the season to where they are now. I just don't know that I 100% agree that for at least 60 minutes, not that they have to score goals for 60 minutes, but I don't think that they're hard to play against for 60 minutes, uh, at least not yet. Hopefully, again, Bob Bugner has brought in, brought them from uh, a very far from where they started to where they are now. And if he continues doing that, maybe we'll be a much more difficult to team played against as the season goes on. 
Unfortunately, I doubt that because with the trade deadline coming up, we're probably going to be losing more players that would help us kind of maintain that status. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I again, I have a problem with uh, with him thinking that they are necessarily hard to play against for that for the the, the full game. I just don't. I don't necessarily agree. Um, you've gotten here, uh, Sheng Peng, uh, a, a tweet from him. I don't know if you wanted to set this one up before we throw it up on the screen. Well, Bugner did his. Uh, this is from last night's game. The Bugner quote about playing hard against Sheng Peng put this up, and you can see how many uh, thirty two quote tweets, and uh, I don't know how many replies there were to this, but. There was a huge discussion on Twitter about this, about everyone going, what, how, what, what team is he watching? You know? So um, that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up is, is um, it's a big discussion point. And I, I agree with Bugner that they are a tough team to play against. I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not that 60 minutes, but every team has to fight hard against the sharks to get the wins. They're not blowing them out. I mean, Look at um, was it the Rangers played Philadelphia the other night and beat them nine nothing. We're not seeing any games like that at all for the Sharks, none. So to me, that would be a team that that's completely a pushover and just giving away points and obviously tanking. You know what I mean? Like everyone wants the Sharks to tank. They want them to get a high draft position, but they also don't want to see the sausage being made. They don't want to watch it happen. So uh, to me, they are in a rebuild mode. I think. Um, good that they're taking these losses because to me this season's done they're not going to be going to the playoffs and if they dig in the playoffs they're just going to worse they get a worse draft position and they're going to get they're going to bow out of the first round um they're just not deep enough and all it takes is one injury one suspension one covid test to one of your top six forwards and this team is done they they just fold um i'm, I'm Tom, sorry Tomas hurdle was out for a while and I'm they sorry. just did not play well what I'm sorry. Did you say they don't want to watch the sausage get made? Exactly. Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> everyone wants everyone wants the the sharks to tank, but they don't want to see how it's made. They don't want okay, to watch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. That makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I just never heard that one before. <laughs> I love uh, it. That's great. Uh, original content here on the Fin Factor, folks. You you heard it from Aaron <laughs> first. Probably heard it from him first. I never heard that before. So. Uh, there you go. Hey, um, you know, again, like you said, uh, there were lots of uh, quoted retweets, lots of comments. This was a big discussion point, and a lot of people obviously feel very differently about it. You and Maximus feel one way. I feel kind of like in the middle a little bit, and I'm sure other people think that this team is just hot garbage. So why don't we see maybe what some of the players thought? Up first, we have a clip. Eric Carlson, kind of his thoughts on exactly that because one of the uh, media members managed to ask that question to him. So we'll go ahead and roll that now. Yeah, I think we've been playing some better hockey lately and, you know, using our feet and protecting the puck more and, you know, playing with some puck possession that makes us uh, tough to play against. And we got some big boys, uh, you know, in our team. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, we can't uh, find ways to win more games because I think that, uh, you know, we've done a great job in putting ourselves in positions to uh, being able to win. So we've also got a quote here from Ryan Donato. Before we get into that one, Aaron, was there something specifically you wanted to say about the Carlson clip here? No, it's just like uh, he's kind of he's kind of agreeing with Bugner here, and and it's I like to hear what the players think too. So I like that we had not just Carlson but uh, Ryan Donato coming up asking pretty much the same question um, about what he thought and what it was like in the locker room here. So I I, I really don't think that they're uh, I think they are a tough team to can't play. This play against uh tongue-tied there 
Well, and as we're going to see, I think all the players would agree with that because they're not going to slam their own team. But we'll go ahead and roll the Ryan Zanuck one uh, right now anyway. And by the way, I got to ask the question this time. Yay. So go ahead. Fire away. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Bob had said that uh, he feels you guys are a tough team to play against right now. And I'm just wondering, uh, does the mood in the locker room reflect that sentiment? Or I imagine there's frustration still. But um, do you guys feel that you're... You know, you're getting better as a team. And I don't know that Logan doesn't like moral victories, but I don't know. Just what, what's the mood in the locker room? I mean, the mood in the locker room is pretty upset after a game like that. But at the end of the day, I think we are definitely getting better. Uh, we're, we're making less mistakes. We're being in the right spots. And uh, any chances that we're getting or they're getting is from us and making little mistakes. And those are happening less and less often. So uh, the more that we can close those up and, and wrap those up and, and obviously play to our details, uh, the more success we've had. And obviously we've been keeping some pretty good teams to a low score. So um, I think if we continue to do that, we'll have success. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was obviously just so eloquent with my wording of the question there, uh, not stuttering with him at all. <laughs> yeah. To- totally wrote that one down before asking the question. Um, but yeah, so again, we're kind of getting the same answer from obviously the players. And I, again, I don't, it's, it's almost like asking the defenseman, or at least I've been told uh, asking the defenseman if his goalie has done a good job and the defenseman's never going to say the goalie sucks, right? He's never going to say, they're going to throw him under the bus uh, or like a, like a center in, in uh, football. Uh, the, the quarterback's never, ever going to say anything bad about a center, right? So um, it's just one of those things. I think you're going to hear that anyway. Uh, obviously, they kind of agree with the, the Bob side and what you think, what Maximus thought. Uh, but there's a lot of other fans who think completely opposite. And again, I'm kind of in the middle there. I think that they've made strides uh, and they are hard to play against in spurts. But would I describe this team as hard to play against personally? No. Um I, we've got a, actually a super chat here, Lundy three ninety nine. Of course, Lundy, uh, and it's not about Justin Braun. What? Okay, so this is what Wilds fan feel like most of the year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing, but uh, I don't know. The Minnesota Wild are doing better than us, aren't they? Well, they got Kaprizov as their their wonder rookie, who is uh, he's probably going to win the Calder Trophy this year for rookie. Oh yeah, um, he's really changed that team because that team is still kind of the boring Wild team. But now you got this one player who is extremely dynamic and completely changes the whole face of the organization. So, in fact, if you look at the standings, I believe the Wild are higher than St. Louis right now. And everyone thought it would be the kind of the opposite, that the Wild would be that fourth spot in the playoffs in the Western Division or the Western whatever conference. Honda West Division. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I'll save my thoughts on that one. But, um, yeah, I think – the wild seem to be kind of a better team than the blues right now. At least the, maybe the blues will kind of turn it on towards the, the second half, like right now going into the playoffs. But um, yeah, they're kind of uh, more on the outside than the wild are. So yeah, I, that guy's exciting to watch. I don't know if you've watched any of them or maybe just during the sharks games against them, but uh, he's, he's a highlight reel maker player who makes his team and all of his teammates around him better. So it's fun to watch. I'm, I like seeing those, even if they're not on the Sharks, I like seeing that kind of those kinds of players come in the league and being able to watch them play, especially, you know, eventually we'll be able to see them live. That's that's one of the players that be like, oh, the Minnesota Wild are coming into town. I actually would like to go see them as opposed to never wanting to go see the Minnesota Wild come into <laughs> town because they're so boring to watch. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of his highlight reel plays and uh, they are of the phenomenal variety. So um, he's a very exciting 
Got to watch. So again, Lundy, thank. Oh, Lundy again. Um, I miss Braun. <laughs> of course, that's why. So Lundy for a dollar ninety nine. I miss Braun. There, happy. I brought him up. Yes, I am happy. Thank you so much, Lundy. It wouldn't be a show without you uh, doing a super chat with a Braun comment in there. So thank I, you. I don't for understand that. why your name isn't Brawny eighty seven instead of Lundy eighty seven. <laughs> I think his last name is uh, Lund something. I don't want to give it away just in case. Right. Uh, but yes, so Lundy, again, thank you so much. Again, Lundy, the, the store, thefinfactor.com. You can pick something up for yourself, buddy. You keep uh, giving us super chats, and we do appreciate every every uh, whatever 99 you've given us. But uh, be sure to visit the store and get yourself something nice next time instead. It's okay. You don't have to super chat us. Um, let's move on to this game tonight, Aaron. Uh, this one was... Is a heartbreaker for me. Uh, again, every game for me is a heartbreaker, man. When, as soon as the Sharks go up by a goal, it's like, okay, you know, hey, we're we're <laughs> we're, in, we're in good position. You know, it's uh, it's uh, what you always want to do. You always want to start off with the you know having a lead, how or, or at least playing well, you know, and getting the first goal of the game statistically is supposed to help you out, right? Obviously, um, and it's just you know the Sharks just can't seem to hold on to that lead no matter what it is, and I don't know why that's the case, but. Um, so, so they had the early lead. They end up giving it up, and this this is just kind of like becoming our thing. Unfortunately, again, I think it was three of the last four, of the last three straight games where they had given up a lead and ended up losing the game. Um, but it shows that the Sharks do have the ability with the limited resources that we have um, to start the game off right, to start the game off on the right foot. You know, um, especially when they're healthy, we've been able to get out and, into a lead, and uh, even if we we blow it, uh, the, the Sharks are. Uh, you know, they, they're ready to start the game. They're starting the game on time, I think is what uh, the commentators would say. So, um, I mean, at, at least that's a little bit of a positive takeaway here. It's just the finish. I think the Sharks have lacked that finish throughout the season. and I, Not just necessarily uh, finishing the game ahead of the other team, but even just goal scoring in general, we tend to be missing the net a lot. Um, we're shooting it right at the logo if we are hitting the net a lot of times. There's just, we can't seem to get a a, a we can't finish the plays that we start. We'll put it that way, I guess. So it's just really frustrating to watch this team right now uh, because you know that they're capable of more and you know that if certain things would just go just a little bit differently, uh, they they could find themselves potentially vying for a playoff spot. But as of right now, it's just it's just not looking that way at all. And it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to win when you're constantly fighting from behind. And that's the thing that's so frustrating is that they start off, especially in this game, they started off with that goal in the previous game as well. You start off ahead and then you find yourself in this game, not the last one, but in this game, you find yourself behind and you have to, you know, try to play catch up now. And it's just not a good way to play hockey. It's not the way that you want to do it. You want to play with that lead or you want to keep it nice and tight and close and give yourself a chance to win when you're down by two goals uh, after having been tied two two when you're going to the third and, and you just, it's so deflating. So um, I don't know. I just don't know that the Sharks are really responding the right way when, uh, when they have a lead. And when they start giving up the lead, I don't think they're responding right at all. I think they start to panic. And I think everyone's gripping their sticks a little too tight and trying to be the Superman that's out there. And it's just kind of biting them. Um, I don't know. What did, you, what did you think about the game in general? We can get to the the Marlo. I know the Marlo thing is the big one, but we can get to that later on. What did you think about the game in general? Did you think that they, uh, they, they played well at least? Were they hard to play against in this game? Oh, the first two periods. <laughs> Going to that third period, man. Again, I think you just said it like they kind of crumbled once that terrible call kind of rattled them a little bit against Marlowe and they scored like right off the face off wasn't like five seconds into the power play. They scored to take the lead. So um, it, it's a brutal way. But 
good teams will find ways to win and the sharks are not that. So um, regardless if the, if the penalty was bad or not, there's still plenty of time left in the game to at least tie it. So um, can't really fault the refs too much. And again, I think I've said this before many times on the show, like I just don't blame refs for losses because um, regardless of if it was a terrible call, the sharks will still have chances and still have time. It's not like it was five seconds left in the game or something. So anyway, I thought they were okay. They just, I don't know, maybe they're even a little tired and a little sluggish because it's two nights in a row. So um, maybe that's catching up to them, but I don't know. I, I, that that call was ridiculous. The 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 face off, yeah. getting tossed that face off, and it's Patrick Marlowe getting getting the call. It's not some rookie, right? Yeah, like maybe it was a rookie ref. Maybe he just didn't realize who was in there. You know what I mean? I think they said that Patrick Marlowe had taken. I don't know the exact number. It was five thousand something. I think it was over five thousand seven hundred faceoffs. Yeah. yeah, he's taken over five thousand something uh, faceoff draws, and um, they call him for that. And it's a guy who's ever? it's a guy who's going to break Gordy Howe's record for most games played. And I understand uh, one of the other players had said the same thing. You know, I understand. You know, you, you want to uh, go by the rule book. Um, and, uh, but they felt that he just was quick on the draw. That's all. Not, not that he jumped the gun. He was just really fast on the draw. Now, again, yeah. if, if you watch it, yeah, he swings at once and then puts the stick down and swings again. So like, I get that, but I, there just needs to be a little bit more respect for an ultimate veteran like Patrick Marlowe. I think let's, let's explain what the penalty is. First off. Sure. Every, every face off, you can get tossed out of the face off. Like if you, if there's any kind of violation, you get tossed and you get kicked out. The second time, either the next person who comes in or it could be the same guy. Um, actually, no, it has to be the, the next guy. There can't be a face-off violation, otherwise it's a penalty, and that's what happened. Right. Which is why it's kind of ridiculous because, like, really, you're gonna call that in a tie game in the third period against Patrick Marlowe? Like, yeah. that's just silly. It's really silly, and no. No, no, there's no conspiracy that the refs are after the Sharks because of the Vegas seven game seven with Pravelski got hurt. I, I see that so much online. It's like, oh, the league and the refs are just pissed because of that game. It's like, come on, man. That was over two years ago. The refs are not in on it. If they were in on it, we have a major problem in the NHL if the refs are in on gambling or any kinds of fixing games. And that's absolutely ridiculous. So, no, no. Having said that, um, there is something to be said for uh, just poor refereeing tonight, and that, and I, I understand it's. I, I know where you're coming from, and I agree with you. It's not, it's not a, a thing where there's a conspiracy there against us necessarily. The NHL wants them to do this. That's no, it's that's not the case at all. Um, but as a fan, it, it can still be very frustrating to have to watch when you see things like the Sorensen slash that doesn't get called. Like that's okay. Right. And then um, there was another one. I think it was Donato with the, the two handed hack. And that one was OK. Uh, the blue the blues player trips his own player O'Reilly. Right. And they call the Sharks for penalty. And then the, it's just a, a face off violation. I, I, I can understand where Sharks players would feel like, oh, there's a conspiracy. There's not. But we understand the frustration and we get frustrated, too. It's just that we understand that there's there's no again, there's there's no. Um, you know, predetermined plan to try to sabotage the Sharks, right? Why would you need to sabotage a team that's perfectly capable of, of losing the game on its own? So, um, and I guess, uh, you know, a team like the Blues, like who cares? It's the Blues. It's they're, they're in what fourth right now anyway. It's not like we're, they're trying to win, 
you know, the, the, the West, the Honda West division, they're in there in the middle of the pack. So uh, if you're going to do that, you do that uh, when LA plays the blues, they're closer like a couple points away. So, or Minnesota, right? So um, it just doesn't make sense at all. Like the, in terms of saying that's a, con- there's a conspiracy. It's just not, um, but again, it, it is frustrating and there's calls that are bad calls. It just happens to be that they're going against the sharks more often than not, at least from our perspective as fans, I imagine other fans from other teams would say the exact same thing that we're saying about their teams that the refs are always against them. There's a conspiracy and everything else. Right. So um, I don't think that's unique to our team uh, necessarily, but um, you know, again, uh, this whole call on Marlo in the post game, if any of you guys happen to watch any of the post game media stuff, um, there were a lot of questions. And I think pretty much almost all the questions were about uh, Patrick Marlowe, and, you know, the, the call that was there and, you know, Bob Booner had said, you know, we were, one of the things was like, how, how did you feel that that changed again? He goes, no, we were fine. We were fine up until that point. It was a two, two game. Everything was fine. And then, you know, when this happens, it changes everything because now you got guys that are kind of like just bewildered, befuddled. Ryan O'Reilly scores 12 seconds into the, the power play. And now we're trying to play catch up the whole time. Right. So you have to play catch up. You have to try to cheat a little bit more to try to get, you know, something to happen offensively. And that changes everything about the game about your strategy. If you had been a two, two, as opposed to down a goal. So he said, yeah, that was absolutely the turning point. It's a ridiculous call. And, you know, to to a point, I agree with him. Um, I mean, I I think it was the right call in, in a sense that, you know, he did violate, but like, I, again, I feel like there needs to be a little bit more leeway for a guy like Patrick Marlowe. Not that he's like a Sidney Crosby or anything, but he's been in the league for a very long time. And the actual number was 5,075 uh, faceoffs that he's taken. And this guy is, again, he's going to break Gordy Howe's record for most games played. And you call him on some ticky tack faceoff violation. It just doesn't make sense. I think Devin Dubnik in the post games had said, you know, that's a penalty I haven't seen called since the preseason of the year that they introduced the rule. It's you don't ever see it. And for them to call that 2-2 in a third period game, a game that, in his words, they view as a playoff game, was absolutely ridiculous, just asinine. And uh, everybody in, in the, I think Bob said, everybody on on the ice, not just our players. Uh, the the Blues players, the Blues bench, they were kind of going, what? So um, it was just kind of one of those really weird things. Um and it is unfortunate that it happened to the Sharks and to Patrick Marlowe specifically. I mean, I would expect some kind of ticky-tacky penalty right after that against the Blues just to kind of even it up, right? A makeup call. Unfortunately, exactly. they didn't get the chance because 12 seconds in, they scored. So they could have done it after that, but the damage had already been done. Yep. Uh, sick Buffalo and Pattaya. Pattaya. If fans were in the stands, maybe the Sharks would get an energy boost. I think games would be much different. I think all around, not just Sharks games, but Sharks games would be a lot different with fans. Even when some of the teams that have fans in there, it's only, what, 3,000, 5,000. Like, it's not that noticeable. It's, I don't think you even think there's that much energy from the crowd, from those smaller crowds. So, um, absolutely. I'm hoping this whole COVID thing, everyone's getting uh, their vaccinations. And by next October, we're all back to somewhat normal. I'm sure it'll still be masks on and hopefully not ridiculous where they're like, Oh, you can't yell or scream <laughs> for your team. So we'll have to get creative and do like golf claps. No, you can still clap as loud as you want. You just have to go like this. Yeah. That's that that not going to happen. I don't know, but well, I'm excited, um, excited to oh, have sorry, go ahead. hockey back, have hockey back in person and, and everyone is, I'm sure. 
Yeah, 100%. I'm happy to get uh, hockey back in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's unfortunate that we won't be having uh, playoff hockey back this season, it seems like. The Sharks are just a little bit too far behind uh, that the St. Louis Blues. And I think that's the team that they're trying to catch right now in the standings is the Blues. Uh, and a team that you're trying to catch, you don't want to give them, first of all, the win. Um, but even if you were to win and you did it in overtime, it's just, it's, you know, you're just giving them a point anyway. Unfortunately, the Sharks lose both of these games. They get a point, but they're still in the red. They're still falling back. So um, I think these games specifically were so important to the Sharks players, not the fan base, the players, if they wanted to make playoffs. And I make the distinction there between players and the fan base because the fans are, on large amount of fans, I would say on on the whole don't want to make the playoffs. I know you're in that boat as well, Um, which is hilarious. And I talked about this before that, well, we talked about this before that, you know, you've got this fan base that doesn't want them to make playoffs, wants them to get a high draft pick, but then gets upset every time they lose and says, this team sucks. We need to do this. We need to fire this coach. We need to trade this guy or whatever the case is. Right. So, um, again, it's kind of one of those you can't have it both ways kind of things. But um, regardless, this team does not look like it's going to be a playoff team. And if it were somehow magically to make it in the playoffs, they wouldn't get out of the first round. Colorado, Vegas are just too good. Uh, We certainly could not uh, survive uh, against that one there. So, um, yeah, we truly did need these points uh, from the player's perspective if we were going to make playoffs. So I think even though mathematically we're not out, I think it's safe to say we're out. Yeah. And, and yeah, well, I said earlier, nobody wants to see the sausage being made. What people think of like for tanking in a season is they're trading away all of their star players. Kind of like, I feel like that's what Ottawa kind of did. They just traded away anybody that was worth anything. They're gone so that they can get higher draft picks and tank even more. Um, I just I don't ever see the Sharks doing that. Maybe trading one or two of those guys, but they're going to try and keep some of those. They're called core guys for a reason, so they're not going to get moved, and you're going to build your team around that. Um, I do think one or two of those guys are going to get moved, either traded or possibly exposed during the draft for Seattle. Um, so next year's team, I think, is going to look a lot different. But I mean, as of right now, just based on points, the Sharks are the sixth worst team. And if you do it by points percentage of the seventh worst team. So that's a top six, top seven pick. And they're also in the lottery. So there's a chance that they could take uh, the number one spot or move up a couple spots, you know? So um, you never know what's going to happen. And it's good that the Sharks are kind of in the position that they are. I hope they just keep losing, not losing every single game. But to me, they're building a culture they had to start from the inside out and it's starting to change and it's starting to work and it's starting to look better. So it's building blocks into next season. All of these games that they're losing in the third period and they're close, they're going to build upon that. And next year they're going to start winning those games instead of losing. Now let's take like how many of those games were decided probably in the third period by a goal or two. It's probably at least four or five, right? Yeah. You change those around. That's 10 more points in the standings and now they're going to be closer into a playoff spot. So to me, that's like what's going to happen in the next season is they're building upon that with their younger players getting experience. They're going to add a couple more guys. Who knows how many draft picks are going to come back if they're able to trade anyone by the deadline. So they're going to have right now they only have their first round pick. They don't have their second and they have everything else. They're probably going to pick up a couple more picks. In my yes. opinion, they're not they going to trade any away. 
unless they're getting something higher back or something, but they're going to have more picks coming back before. Yeah. the draft. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, before we kind of move on with that, I, I do want to point out some of what the, you're talking about what the team might look like um, next season and how it might look a lot different. So uh, I'm kind of looking at cap friendly right now. And of the players that would be eligible to get picked, uh, if you protect Burns, they're either going to go after Shimmick or they're going to go after Kevin LeBanc. I imagine they're going to go after Kevin LeBanc. $4.725 million, uh, that would be off of the books. Okay, then you've got Ryan Donato's an RFA. I feel like he gets re-signed. Marcus Sorensen, if they re-sign him, it'll be so that they have one extra player to get exposed for uh, the expansion. So maybe Marcus Sorensen. But otherwise, Marcus Sorensen's one year left at 1.5. Uh, John Leonard's got two years. Frederick Hanmark, one year left, UFA, uh, 792,000. Rudolph Balsers, RFA, 735,000, one year left. Again, the rest of these guys have one year left. Patrick Marlowe, Matt Nieto, Antti Suomela, Dylan Gambrell, all these guys have one year left. Um, even uh, Frederick Clayson, one year left. These are guys, sorry, Devin Dubnik, one year left. These are guys you're going to see on the trade block. These are guys that are going to get moved if at all possible. Um, well, some of them aren't going to be able to go anywhere. And I think these, yeah, some of these guys uh, need to have a couple more or more games played to be eligible. Yes, that's to be eligible for Seattle. expansion. I'm talking about for a trade. Right. Okay. I'm talking about for a deadline trade. The, yeah. My point is there's a lot of one-year contracts on this team. And although they're not a ton of money, it's a lot of one-year contracts that could be shipped out for picks. You just talked about we don't have a second. There's a second round pick somewhere in this mess. Uh, whether you t- it's it's a, a guy that somebody overvalues, we've seen that before. Patrick Marlowe, um, Doug Murray, for instance, right? We've yeah. seen guys get overvalued. Uh, what's his name? Goodrow, Barkley Goodrow got a first. So there's there's I'm sure there's out there in this mess of players that there is a second round pick somewhere in there that it could absolutely get. Even if there's not, there's enough guys here that they would be able to garner like a, a, a nice haul of picks that they could kind of put together and package to move up uh, while the draft is going on. So yes, absolutely. This team will look a lot different next season, not so much from the core players and the big names, but a lot of the, I guess, what do we call it? Um, the, the second six guys, the uh, role-playing guys, those guys I think are going to be very different next season. I think we're going to see a lot of Barracuda guys come up. We'll probably see a couple guys that were recent draft picks that are maybe going to get their shot. We'll probably have a couple guys that are just free agents maybe at the tail end of their career or that other teams just gave up on them. Maybe we'll even see, um, what do you call it? The the one that you say never happens, the offer sheets, right? Maybe we'll see an offer sheet here or there for a really good player that uh, that a team is just kind of pushing uh, to the side for the time being and that they think no one's going to pick them up and then the Sharks jump in and, and snag them. Who knows? So um, again, my whole point on this one is that there there's a lot of players that the Sharks can get rid of to get some picks back. So while they're probably not going to be making playoffs, you can imagine that we're going to see a big push at the draft to kind of uh, replenish those shelves uh, with good players uh, that are are ready to make a difference, at least at the AHL level. And hopefully they can go from there. Yeah. I mean, some of these guys, like to me, I think Matt Nieto is a prime example of a guy who's going to get traded to a contender, be a fourth line stud. Who's going to be their power or penalty kill specialist. Uh, he's got a lot of speed. He has a very cap friendly hit. He's only $700,000 right now. So, yeah. and he's expired after this year. So to me, now I'm not saying he's a second round pick. I would expect probably a fourth round pick for that. Just him straight up. But 
you package that together with maybe another pick or even another player or something, and you're going to get a prospect and a higher draft pick back coming back to you. So um, there are a bunch of pieces on here. Um, Sorensen is going to have a little bit of interest, I think. And again, he's only at one and a half million. And when you, when you prorate that towards the end of the season, that, that salary cap or that cap hit is a lot less. Um, so, yeah. And there are rules for the Seattle draft that you have to have so many players that are not in one year contracts, contracts be exposed and the sharks aren't there yet. So they need to have players. So what to me, people are asking in here, if, if we're going to trade away any of our high end guys, possibly and what i would see in that scenario is for someone who has a high salary because the salary cap is so flat um coming back would be a bad contract uh to the sharks maybe someone who's making equal amounts of money so let's let's throw this out here without shoes getting thrown brent burns getting traded with his eight million dollar cap hit uh we'll we'll probably see the sharks come back with a draft pick and maybe a player who has an equal amount of salary who's not very good and they just want to get rid of him off the books um brent burns is on there for a couple years but he can still play he's an elite still uh an elite offensive defenseman so i i would see like a a bad contract coming back just to clear the salary cap for the other team um and then getting a draft pick in compensation to go along with it so i think that's what we're going to be looking for and i wouldn't be surprised if some trades are going to start happening soon um, that trade deadline's on, I believe it's April 12th, but with the COVID restrictions, when you trade, especially when you trade from a Canadian team to a uh, U.S. team, there's going to be a really long, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, delay. Yeah. Like Waiting two weeks, period. right? Two weeks to uh, quarantine. Thank you. Quarantine. So like a two week quarantine, um, that, uh, that's going to have to happen. So, uh, that's why I feel like trades are going to happen less on trade deadline day, maybe a little bit before that, maybe maybe the beginning of April or so. Once kind of the chips start to settle and, and teams know if they're going to be buyers or sellers and how much they have to work with, I think that's when we're going to start seeing some moves. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I see a lot of uh, comments in here. I just want to bring a few of them up before we move on from this topic. Um, so uh, Sorensen rumored to be sought after. Uh, I would be interested in seeing what a guy like Sorensen would bring because I'm not high on Sorensen. I haven't been. Again, I think he's he's a guy that's got a, a little frame that he doesn't mind throwing around. But, you know, even tonight with Perron, he and Perron were kind of going at it. And I really felt like this is a, a moment where, you know, Sorensen should take Perron off the ice. This is one where, you know, if you've got – if you're under his skin – Finish the job. Take him off the ice for five minutes and sacrifice your five minutes of, of ice time, which, frankly, let's get real. Uh, Marcus Sorensen off the ice for five minutes is not going to kill this team. Um, it can only help to get Perron off the ice. I, I would like to see him say, OK, fine, you want to go. Let's go. Uh, recognize your role on this team is not to go out there necessarily and score goals. But if you can go out there and maybe take a guy off of the ice, that's one of the uh, is there a leading point getter? Why wouldn't you, especially if he's coming after you, right? Um, I don't know. I think there was there was more for Marcus Sorensen that I would like to see in this game, just in general. Uh, and that's just one small piece of it. Um, let's see what else here. <laughs> uh, Scott Kemp says, "Can we play with no defense and put three goalies in?" Uh, technically, I think you can, but no, uh, we're not doing that. Thanks anyway. Uh, Vanya says, "Goodrow went for a first. Um, Nieto could uh, go for a second. Easy. One hundred percent. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's where." 
our uh, our second could come from absolutely is uh, Matt Nieto. He's having a heck of a season, I think, for San Jose Sharks in terms of his two-way play. Uh, and he's shown that he can be a guy that's plug-and-playable. He can play on the fourth line, kill penalties, or he can go on the second line in a pinch if you need him to. And uh, he can still play fairly well. He's got a lot of good speed. Uh, he's a smart player. So I don't think that he's a guy that you have to worry about his 200-foot game. Uh, I think a lot of, of teams going into playoffs are going to value that, right? So, uh, yeah, and especially also because it doesn't affect their cap at all. Any team with any amount of cap would be able to fit him uh, underneath in their structure. So I think uh, he's, he's another guy that absolutely um, uh, could be, you know, on other teams' radars and whatnot. And, of course, again, remember Devin Dubnik. Devin Dubnik is a guy who has had pretty decent numbers apart from the win-loss column. Uh, his, his save percentage and his goals against haven't been horrible uh, and there are lots of games that he's had that were uh, losses that they were very close games, one goal games uh, where he only let in one or two and the Sharks just didn't give him any run support. So um, I think we've got a couple assets on this team that could certainly bring uh, a nice little haul back. And for all the other guys that are UFAs that maybe don't want to be coming back to a team that's going through a reset, um, you know, I'm sure that they wouldn't mind uh, bouncing out too. Now, Aaron, you said Brent Burns, uh, being traded away. I'm still of the mind that it makes uh, sense to see if Mark Edward Vlasic wouldn't mind uh, waiving his no move clause to get moved somewhere like say Montreal. Again, Montreal keeps coming up as this place because he seems to like uh, the idea of potentially going there, at least in the past. He's certainly alluded to that. Uh, Montreal has always, always, always wanted him. And I think it's because his first name is Mark Edward. Uh, but regardless, I mean, he is still is a fairly effective defensive defenseman. I see him making plays, uh, still making very good plays. There are times, yes, he has a, a brain lapse, but you know, for the most part, he's still a very effective defensive defenseman. And you put him with a guy like I thought when he's been playing with Shimmick, he's looked better. So I think again, maybe a little bit of a change of scenery is really all this guy needs. He's getting it from a different partner, and he's looked a lot better than he has earlier in the season. Perhaps a different team, a different arena, a different defensive partner is maybe what this guy needs to kind of bring his game back around just a little bit. And I think a team that might want him would actually believe in him and be okay with uh, the salary cap hit. And even if they weren't, I'm sure the Sharks wouldn't mind retaining a million or two or whatever it is. But essentially, that would take a whole lot of cap space uh, out of the equation there for the San Jose Sharks and give them the ability to really go out into free agency and pick up a couple guys um, that you know they can pay a lot of money to. And it doesn't really matter because they've got the cap room for it. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to be contenders, but at least, hey, you know, you've got a guy on your team that's, you know, you can maybe use this trade bait later on. Who knows? But um, that would be very interesting to see what the Sharks could do with that. Again, for, for my my money, I would rather see Mark Edward Vlasic um, have the opportunity to go to a different team where maybe he's not in the, uh, the bottom pairing defenseman. I think he would like to leave uh, to get out of that situation. I think he would like to leave to not be on a team that is going through what's being called a reset, but in his eyes is probably more of a rebuild, right? Uh, where he's going to be stuck and maybe not making playoffs and be getting older and older and not having a chance to win a cup. He's going to be the defensive version of Joe Thornton. So um, I could definitely see him potentially being on the move. As for the rest of the core, Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, Evander Kane, well, Evander Kane's a whole other animal. He might not even be on the team next season or even for the rest of the season, depending on when all this stuff shakes out. But for those guys, you know, Kane and, and Hurdle, I'm sorry, uh, Couture and Hurdle specifically, Carlson Burns, I don't see them moving. I don't see them going anywhere unless they say, I want out, because there's really no reason to move them anywhere. They are good players. You can get a good haul for them. At the same time, they're not on expiring contracts. So unless there's this this uh, draft is super deep, which I don't know, maybe it is, 
Unless that's the case, I don't see the need to necessarily trade one of those guys. You got them under contract and they're phenomenal players. So why roll the dice? Um, that's just my take on that one. I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say on this uh, before we wrap up and move on? Well, Montreal will keep bringing him up because they have 14 picks in the seven rounds coming up in the next draft. There's no way they're going to keep all those picks. So they're going to trade those away. They're going to add some people to their to their team. Um, I'm just taking a look at what they have right now. And, and they're, they only have uh, $60,000 in projected cap space. So it's not like they have a lot of room to work with. So if they were to take on someone like Mark Edward Vlasic, it wouldn't be just for picks. They'd have to send us back something in return, um, something to take off their books to make room for him. So there's a lot of moving pieces in there, and we could even see possibly a three-way trade between teams. Who knows? Um, there's a lot of possibilities here, and I'm not going to completely speculate, but um, <laughs> I do think that something's going to happen. I do think Montreal is going to be trading away. Maybe Montreal is going to trade some of those picks to Seattle to make sure they don't pick who they want. You know what I mean? During the yeah. draft, which is what we saw with Vegas happen. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be, um, it's going to be an interesting year. And thank God this season is short. And thank God there are no fans in the arena. Um, there's actually a question very, very early on that I wanted to highlight about. Um, Maxi had said. I wonder what is the financial consequences of all this. No tickets, no merch, not much of a broadcast revenue. I'd said this before, I think a couple of shows ago. If you're going to tank this season and last, we're probably the two best seasons to tank because there's, I mean, last season was cut short, but this season there's absolutely no fans to boo you on the ice. Can you imagine if they were playing right now at SAP and there's people? I bet they would get booed. Absolutely get booed. Yeah. So, um, it's it's kind of um, and it's a short season. It's only 56, 56 games this year. So um, one thing about the draft, it will be interesting to see if it will be a strong draft because a lot of these players aren't playing right now, um, or if they are, it's a very shortened season. So the the scouting is going to be off. I I just think it's going to be weird. Um, it'll be interesting to see you know three four five years from now to look back at this draft and see which players made it to the NHL and which players did not. Uh, and see how many busts there were, because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot. So yay for the Sharks getting a high draft pick, but boo for being such a weird year that who knows what they're going to get. You know, They could get yeah. some kind of bust in, in a third overall pick, and just the Sharks' luck, there's going to be a terrible pick, and the guy is never going to play make it to the NHL. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, time to move on. So, well, just to stir the pot just a little bit more, uh, I'm looking at Montreal right now. Uh, Thomas Tatar has one year left, 4.8 million. So they certainly could make a swap there. I'm not sure if they like Tatar or not. Uh, maybe he's, again, I'm just looking at the guy. I don't even know the numbers. Um, and then guys like uh, Philip Deneau has uh, $3 million left on his, but he's 28 years old. So who knows? And he's got one year left. Um, oh, Paul Byron was the other one, but he's got an A on his jersey. I can't imagine they're going to unload him, but who knows? Uh, there are guys, there are guys that they would uh, potentially unload um, to be able to get that cap space kind of back in order. But um, we'll just have to see how it shakes out. It'll be a very interesting episode to see uh, for for on our point uh, to have uh, people coming in and talking to us about it when something does go down. And I imagine when something goes down, we'll try to get on top of it as fast as we can. But um, I know it's it's a little more difficult for you, so we'll we'll see what we can do about it. But uh, it'll it'll be uh, certainly an interesting show whenever that happens. So if if a, uh, yeah, bring Marshall back. <laughs> uh, if a uh, trade goes down, uh, we'll be be looking for us. And again, if you're not subscribed or you're not following us on Twitter, uh, certainly do that. And 
we'll uh, we'll let you guys know when we're uh, we're coming online yeah, here to, to do if a any show. Big trades go down with the sharks. Uh, we'll probably go live that night, so be sure to uh, to check us out and subscribe. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, you know, I think uh, somebody wants to do a roll call. Let's do the roll call first, and then we'll talk about the uh, the other thing we wanted to talk about here. So, um, roll call. Aaron, what are we what are we saying now? Go ahead. Uh, do you think the Sharks are hard to play against? So let us know where you're watching from, and if you think the Sharks are a hard team to play against. There you go. And while you guys are typing all that in, we're going to go ahead and uh, talk about this hockey is for everyone uh, game that's coming up. And there's a, a, a poster and a t-shirt and everything. We have some graphics for you guys here. Uh, Super producer Jason, if you're ready for the hockey is for everyone stuff there, we'll go ahead and throw that up. Perfect. Okay. Ooh, that's really small text. I'm going to have to get a little closer to the screen there. Uh, hockey is for everyone. Uh, calling all San Jose Sharks fans. Hockey is for everyone night is on March 31st. You can make, Posters that will be placed on the glass during warmups. So that's kind of cool. You make the posters. I guess they, uh, the, you send them in. Maybe I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, here. Okay, so it's make a poster. We'll make a poster ourselves and send it in. So maybe you'll see ours up on the, oh. on the glass. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I like that. Uh, so SAP Center Team Store in the corner of Santa Clara and North Autumn Streets. It's on uh, Monday to Friday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's the, the when there. So uh, the requirements for the posters are no larger than 18 by 24 inches. Uh, must be appropriate and not display any offensive language. Uh, the posters must be uh, flat and not include glitter or I other like loose that. decorations. I like Go ahead. That. I really dislike glitter because it gets everywhere. <laughs> All right. And then write uh, uh, H-I-F-E night. Uh, hockey is for everyone night. Not to be confused with hyphy night, uh, which is probably going to be in Oakland. Uh, on the back of posters to indicate when they should be displayed. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's the information for the poster there. Uh, please go ahead and and do that, guys. Uh, really, I think it would be one of those really cool things for you to be able to see your poster uh, up on the glass there and to kind of support the team and support, you know, uh, hockey being for everyone. Again, we've got those shirts that say hockey is for everyone on there. It's a uh, benefited uh, Silicon Valley pride. Um, so uh, super cool. I think I love what the, the, the San Jose Sharks here are doing. Uh, all this inclusion and whatnot, I think is great. Um, it really the whole teal together, they had that model for a, a while back and I think they changed it to a different model. I'm not sure exactly what that, what that tagline is, but, um, they are putting a lot of time into being inclusive. And speaking of being inclusive, again, the uh, Hockey is for Everyone t-shirt, limited edition. It does benefit Silicon Valley Pride. Uh, they are sizes small, medium, large, extra large. Cost $10 for shipping should you choose to have it shipped. Uh, however, you can get it picked up at the Solar for America Ice Pro Shop if you live in San Jose or if you're willing to make the drive. There are a limited availability in March of 2021. March is running out, and uh, at least until they're sold out. So uh, we're getting close here. So if this is something that you were thinking about getting, uh, now would be the time. So head over to sjteamshop.com. Uh, pick one of these shirts up. It's only $29.99. Again, you can pick it up at uh, Solar for America Ice or just pay the $10 for shipping. And it does benefit Silicon Valley Pride. Again, hockey is for everyone. And uh, what a great way to show that sentiment with either a shirt and or uh, making that poster. There's the shirt right there with the green yes, screen jacking up the green there. Green is it so bright? <laughs> there it is. Good stuff. There we go. Yeah, oh, Aaron yeah. Uh, pulling the the veil back on the magic that is the fin factor with the uh, the green screen showing there. Thank you, Aaron. Um, so good, we're good with that. Uh, did you want to go through any of the roll call right now, or did you want to jump uh, to the the shows uh, the, the next games that are coming up? Well, Max, Mrs. Lit said, "Will the poster have a toaster?" Our Ooh. poster. It's a good idea. I think we'll put a toaster, maybe some blue cream. Oh gosh, and 
some smelling salts and what else should we put on our poster? Maybe we'll let you guys decide what to put on there. That is a great, you know what? That's what it should be for the next, the next one that we do. Right. We'll do, the next, our next show, show we we'll tell you, tell us what to put on there. And yes. then by then we'll probably be making it. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Okay. We gotta, we gotta remember that one. Uh, so that we know, um, <laughs> so we remember, yeah, to to put those on there. That'd be great. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and talk about while while Super Producer Jason is uh, rolling through the uh, the roll call here. Let's just finish this up with the next games on the docket here against the Kings. Uh, we've got a uh, Monday game at seven thirty and a Wednesday game at seven thirty. Again, the Sharks continuing their home stand. Uh, the Kings are a team that is uh, kind of gaining a little bit of ground in the standings here. Even if the Sharks can't make it in the playoffs, gosh, it would be nice to play spoiler against the the LA Kings. Uh, it's not exactly the strongest rivalry anymore. Uh, I think the Vegas Golden Knights rivalry is much stronger uh, than this one here. But uh, any time that we can do uh, damage to the LA Kings puts a big smile on my face. So, uh, Aaron, what do you think about these two games? Obviously, ones that are winnable, should be winnable, and the Sharks should be a hard team to play against. What do you say? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, these are going to be two tough games, even though the Kings are towards the bottom. But... Um, the Kings have been playing pretty well in the last this this season. Kind of a surprise team, I think, in the Western Division. So, or the Honda West Division. So, I think um, I don't think there's going to be easy games. Um, they're winnable. I think the Sharks can match them. I do think the Kings are their roster is a little bit better because they got some of the young guys that are up and coming um, playing. Quentin Byfield, Quentin Byfield, Byfield, Byfield. Byfield. Uh, he was the uh, second overall pick yes. in his last draft. And it was kind of surprising he did not make the roster the opening night. He hasn't played. So um, they have more... My point is they have more up-and-coming stars that are going to be on this team, and it's going to be a very dangerous team. So um, at least we'll see Jonathan Quick, who I think is is worse than Martin Jones, if that's possible. Uh, he'll probably play in one of these games since they're... Um, well, they're not quite back-to-back because it's Monday and Wednesday, but I bet we do see him in one of these games. I don't know. I, I think the Sharks can take him. But at the same time, I don't want them to. So <laughs> what do you think? You just want the ultimate tank then, huh? <laughs> I don't want the ultimate tank, but I don't want them to all of a sudden put a 10-game winning streak together and then be like, oh, maybe we'll make playoffs and then just miss out on it and then have a terrible draft pick at 12th overall. Okay. Cool. No, no one's saying a ten-game win streak, but I'll take a two-game win streak if it means we're we're knocking the Kings down a peg. Right? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, the Kings are kind of on a lifeline right now. They need to put this points on the board to kind of get back into a playoff spot. They are a oh, they're over five hundred right now because they're they have games in hand. But um, right now, if, in just winning or points percentage, they are in fifth or sixth. Um, no, I'm sorry, fifth. They're right behind St. Louis, so. Um, they definitely need these wins. They're going to be playing harder, I think, because to them, this is going to be more of a playoff game to get into the playoffs. A playoff to get into the playoffs. So it's going to count more for them. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I like that. And uh, for these two games, we, again, it'll be uh, Wednesday night, roughly 10 p.m., we think, right? Yeah, we'll be going on after the Kings, whenever the game's finished. The game's a 7.30 start time, so probably 10, 10, 15-ish yeah, I was going to say probably closer to 1015. Uh, well, because, okay, 730, then an hour later, the next period starts, 830, 930. But and then it also depends if it goes to overtime or shootout because then yeah, go a little yeah, bit. yeah. 
So and usually the period is about 40 minutes. So a a game will probably end around 10, 15 or so. So we'll be on shortly after that, I would say. Um, So, yeah, okay. Your expectation is that they should win both these games, but that you don't want them to win both these games. Uh, I bet they split. They'll get a win and then they'll get a loss. Okay. No, I like that. Uh, You know, something else that I like, and Lundy said it. Uh Uh-oh, where'd it go? Uh, I saw Get On With It, L-O-L-J-K. I think he's talking about on the poster, and I would love to huh. do the uh, get on with it, the the God one. Super producer Jason, can you hit me with a get on with it? Get on with it. I feel like if we had that image with get on with it and just put that on the glass, that would be phenomenal. Can we make more than one poster? Why not? I'm Paul. You're Aaron. He's super That's producer good. Jason. I don't know why I keep pointing to you. We can do three posts. Get on with it. <laughs> yep. Thanks. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get on with it now. Uh, anyway, Aaron, was there anything else uh, about the LA Kings game or we're good there? Nah, we're good. We're good, good there. Okay. Uh, Manny says he wants a top three draft pick. Don't we all, Manny? Don't we all? Um, we want it, but we don't want to watch how to get there. We don't want to watch how the sausage is made or something. I don't know. Vanya said that's a nor- that's a, a very common phrase. It's the first it time is. I've heard that. I've, that's amazing. That's the first time you heard that. Never heard it before. But thank you. Wow, Super Producer Jason, that was way up the chain there. You are awesome at finding these uh, these comments. Not bad <laughs> at all. Okay, so uh, last little thing here. Again, um, there is a store wide sale on the FinFactor.com. Uh, everything in the store forty percent off. So I believe the t-shirts are $15. Yeah, there you go. $15 for each shirt, $18 for the snapback, $3 for the sticker packs, and all the items are in stock. So this sale is going to be going from now up until April 12th, which is, again, the twi- trade deadline. The trade deadline. Sorry, I can't talk. Uh, you go to the to the finfactor.com. I don't even think you have to do anything. The prices are as marked. So uh, there's no coupon code or anything like that. You just... Buy a shirt and you get the uh, the discount. Okay, so if you guys are interested in uh, looking good, feeling good, or simply supporting the show, uh, we would appreciate you guys heading over there prior to that deadline. Get yourself a nice little discount, uh, and, well, and that's all I have to say about it. Go ahead, Aaron. What you got? Sonic Tonic. I picked up a shirt. Thanks for the deal, guys. Absolutely. Hey, man. Thank you. We appreciate your uh, your help in uh, supporting the show. That's that's awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, so uh, I think that's it, Aaron. Um, you know, it's <laughs> I don't know what, what to say about this team right now because uh, you know it's like I'm in that boat where it's like I understood they're not going to be a very good team. I kind of had some hopes for them, and you get a little bit of a dose of reality, and that's fine. Um, but it's just you know it's it's sad. It's sad to see your team uh, getting smoked out there, and when they start playing well, and then they just kind of get beat up. It's uh, it's a sad thing. To me, I've changed my attitude on it more of I want to see building blocks going into next season, stuff that they're going to make mistakes on that are fixable and correctable, and it's going to get changed next season. And also seeing the culture change, because I was so sick. I mean, the last 15 years, the Sharks would get beat up on by other teams. Look at the St. Louis Blues in the playoffs two years ago. Nobody stuck up for other people, right? And now you're seeing it. Now you're seeing, oh, there's a hard hit. Like, what was it? Uh, was it last the last Blues game when, uh, or was the Vegas game? No, it was the Vegas game when Mark Stone hits Timo Meyer in the boards, kind of blindside hit him. Yeah, and was it Hurdle came up to him? Was it Hurdle? 
man, I'm already losing track of it. But um, you never saw that. You never even saw in the beginning of the season that that happened. Like when Shimmick got hit for Marcia Snow. Now you're seeing it. And that's what I want. I want a team that's going to stick together and fight for each other, uh, regardless of the results on the ice. And that's what's happening. So building blocks into going into better stuff next year and changing the culture. I like no, it. I love it. I love it. Take take some positives out of the season. If you're going to play uh, poorly uh, and you're not going to get the results, um, at least build uh, on on you know whatever successes you you possibly can. If that means team culture, if that means you know just little victories on the ice here and there, sticking up for each other, that kind of thing, um, getting things right for next season. Then I mean that's a step in the right direction. Maybe not from a win loss standpoint but from a team standpoint, and we all know this is a team game and um, there's so many more things than just scoring a goal. That's going to be uh, considered a win in that locker room. I think uh, these guys are going to be able to gel uh, through, through this rough experience. And, you know, hopefully that, that leads to better things. And it sets an example for the younger guys that are coming into the organization. Uh, one of the people in the comments had asked if Ryan Merkley is going to be stepping in the season. I bet when he does, he gets a healthy dose of how you st- uh, you stick up for your teammates and how you are expected to play and uh, and act uh, on this team, even if you're going to lose. So um, I think Logan Couture is doing a pretty bang up job as uh, as a captain, setting the culture the right way. And I think Bob Bugner is only reinforcing that. And I think he's the right man for the job. That's kind of my take on it. I know a lot of people don't agree, but um, I-, I think that they're uh, the combination of the two has been. Uh, kind of what this team needs going forward. Maybe not this season. Again, the season's been kind of a weird one. But uh, going forward, I think they're in, in pretty good hands. So uh, speaking of being in good hands, uh, thank you again to Super Producer Jason putting on all these shows for us. Uh, we couldn't do it without him. And I hope you guys uh, also appreciate all the hard work that he's been putting in to uh, keeping us going. Um, it, whether it's just me, whether it's me and Marshall, or whether it's uh, Aaron's off of uh, baby duty, um, Super Producer Jason doing an awesome job. Thank you so much. I do want to leave with one final comment, and it is from Sonic Tonic. He says, I also want to speak on the hat, the Fin Factor hats, which I bought a long time ago. That's a steal for that quality of a hat. The $18 for the hat uh, is what he's saying. You know what, Sonic? Uh, These hats, after a couple years of sweat and everything building up, you might need a new one. So maybe get one ahead of time before they come off sale just saying, you said it's a steal. So there you go. I appreciate yeah. the comment, Sonic Tonic, and I hope other people uh, read that uh, comment and realize that you are absolutely telling the truth. And yes, the hats are made, handmade in the USA. So if that's important to you as well, can't go wrong. Guys, I appreciate you for, for tuning in. I appreciate all your comments. Uh, I've had a lot of fun uh, in a season that's not so hot uh, up to this point, uh, being able to come on and talk with you guys. So thank you for making it bearable. Uh, and Aaron, good to see you again. And uh, hopefully we uh, we keep getting you back in here. I know everybody wants to bring Marshall back, but it's also uh, very nice to have the consistency of uh, the guy that I like doing my show with all the time. So uh, thank you for being here as well. I know tonight was a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. For uh, Super Producer Jason, I don't know why I keep pointing to you. I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. <laughs> And we will see you guys Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. 
You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.